I sit comfortably. Hello, everyone on Zoom. So, it's good to be back and to be with everyone again. And my re-entry point was doing a session with some of the people here and not here, which it was a good re-entry point. Um, but just briefly, my um, um, heart surgery went well. The surgeon said he was very happy with it, so that's good. And I've been recovering. It's a slow recovery. Um, and the surgeon told me to. it take, actually takes um, 12 months to be really fully healed from the surgery and so on. Um, but um, after, you know, six, eight weeks, which it is, you know, most people can resume most of their activities in, in their life. Um, so I'm doing well. And to segue from that into the Dharma talk, um, in the uh, uh, cardiac rehab I've been having, they give us an educational component, which I wanted to share with you, and we'll just look at it within a, a Dharma context. But it's very interesting, though, looking at um, what leads to long life, you know, all the different factors that make, you know, lead to a long life and a happy life, presumably, too. And uh, if you think of a graph where there's little bars down the bottom and the, the greater the influence, the bigger the bar becomes. So up the top, there's a big long bar. Um, down below, do you know the things that contribute to happiness and, and old age? Um, uh, things like not smoking, not drinking excessively good diet, not being obese. Then as you go up, there's things like having a positive attitude, but that's, that's not the most significant thing. When you get right up the top, um, the two factors that are the main factors to li living to an old life, with, an old age with quality of life, is your social interactions with others. But one that you have at least a few people in your life that have friends or you know relatives that you can rely on and you support each other, and that you have quite a healthy amount of social interaction with others, or you can if you want to, and they focus on some research they, they've done in Sardinia where there's this cluster of villages and the men in the village are 10 times more likely to grow to, to um, live beyond 100 than anywhere else in the general population. And when they examine it, it's because these men and women, you know, the whole culture, live in these little villages where they have interaction with one another all the time. And the, the old people are well looked after, like people value these older people and it's a privilege to be able to be engaging with them. Um, and that's what makes the difference. And um, generally speaking, um, women live longer than what men do because generally speaking, women have that tendency to network you know, and connect, whereas men can tend to isolate. But put men in a situation where they've got the skills to connect and they are connected, um, they do very well as well. So, uh, 
it comes back, Dharma, Dharma practice comes back to um, opening up to the world, opening up to others. It's actually um, un- unfolding our ability to connect. Right? We are connecting anyway, but um, we're always connecting. Um, but when we really turn up to be present and present in an open-hearted way and we see all the things that keep us isolated and blocked off from life and not intimate with life, all those barriers drop away more and more. And what really happens with Zen practice is it's not just that you calm yourself, but you actually um, open yourself to experience, to giving and receiving that experience. And... um, as I was saying in one of the Dharma talks during session, um, people who have a tend to have a a view of other people, and it may be very unconscious. You know, it may not be something they necessarily vocalise. Um, but if you see the other other people as competitors, and you then you see other people as a threat. Um, then it leads to isolation, you know, it can lead to things like social anxiety or cutting yourself from other people and becoming more in a, like a little bubble to protect yourself. And the more you do that, the more you lose connection. Alternatively, the research shows that people who just more automatically assume that other people are what they call affiliates, you know, the people who are friendly and are going to support them and are not competitors, well, that's they, they tend to then meet the world that way and that's what they get back. So there's a kind of karma in it, in a sense, that if you, if you look at the world suspiciously and you see it as the enemy automatically and you, you walk around with a suspicious look on your face, well, you're more likely to get it back from others and go, ah, see, you know, you can't trust them. They, they, they look at you sideways. Mm-hmm. And so we create our reality that way. And conversely, if we've got a, an open demeanour towards others and, you know, a friendly, kind demeanour, that's probably what more likely what we're going to draw out from others, you know, and it comes back in some way. Not always, you know, and uh, but it's kind of like presuming that people are cooperative and friendly and unthreatening unless they demonstrate otherwise and some people can so you you can get both Um, but that's what Dharma practice um, opens up into and uh, we we need to get beyond um, as all of the the great Zen teachers going right back to you know the early days of Chinese charm right through Japan right through today it's a trap in Zen and, and meditation in general to think that you just go into some deep samadhi state, you know, um, some internalised, calm, transcendent state, and, and that's what it is. And all of the Zen teachers have always said it's a trap, you know, becoming what they refer to as a, as a stone Buddha, not a, not a living Buddha. And um, some people are attracted to that because um, uh, if the world is unpleasant or threatening, when you just go inside and find this little 
calm universe inside that you can escape into. And um, yeah, it's better than being agitated. You can reach some very deep states in it, but it's just a much more sophisticated, self-centered dream, really, um, that you encapsulate yourself in. You know, it's a spiritual, self-centered dream that that's you're still in the bubble, and the bubble hasn't burst. And so it's all. And so having those samadhi states, you know, deep deep states of calm and concentration, of course, are a part of practice and in session in particular you know we we cultivate that more naturally but don't think that's the be all and end all of it and, and escape into that place um, is that the the true practice is um, breaking out of this bursting this bubble of separation so that we actually develop connectedness with with everything not, not just with other people, but with just life in general. So it's important as you do your practice that you that you're aware of that and you're practicing that way, and that your um, your practice leads to a, um, a, a more um, open-hearted way of experiencing life. So, they're my brief words for tonight. How do you get out of the 